Rising Leader. This podcast was made just for you. Are you new to human resources or looking to level up in your career? Then this is the place just for you. We are fellow rising HR leaders committed to delivering content that will help you take your career to the next level. Each month, we will meet with subject matter experts to learn about the best practices for HR professionals and how we, as young professionals, can develop and then leverage our skills to help create better workplaces. Hello. How Hello. are you? Good. How are y'all doing? Good. Ready for another episode. Great, 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 great. And so we are back with episode three. Um, and so first things first, how are y'all? You know, I think it's always good to do an awareness check-in with everyone. I think, you know, we're all in, and so are our listeners in HR in some capacity or another, and I think we are all feeling the surge of employment coming back into our doors within our organizations. And Before we tap into that, I'm, I'm more so asking, like, how are you? Like, how are... <laughs> how, like, how are you like in this world and so I think we're conditioned to kind of just tap into like all of the things that are happening around us just because that's naturally where yeah. our brains are yeah. 24 7 um, but I'm doing a host check Marilyn, <laughs> Nyla, how are you how are you feeling today how is life what's going on how are you just as a person in this world Marilyn is keeping her head above water. Mm-hmm. I feel like I did a lot of personal growth and thinking during the pandemic when I was laid off, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I realized I was really overexerting myself to work. And just because mm-hmm. I had the quote unquote time didn't mean I needed to fill it taking care of other people's needs. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I wound up working two jobs before the pandemic, during the pandemic when I was laid off. And then I really didn't have time to think about, well, what does Marilyn actually want? What does she enjoy doing? And so when Mm -hmm. I did have the chance to think about that, I feel like I'm starting to put the energy towards things that warrant it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's also a process that takes time because it also, and I'm sure a lot of other rising leaders struggle with this, is having that awareness to realize what you do want and not just what you don't want. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at right now is asking myself those hard questions again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a large part of every person and their identity is their job. Mm -hmm. And so what do I want? that to say about me. I was talking to a senior leader uh, right before I left my last position. We were talking, she was getting ready to transition and retire. And my question to her was like, okay, like what's next? Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, this is the fifth phase of my life. I'm about (laughs) to uh, open up a consignment shop. She has multiple. Okay, I wonder how many phases I I have. She said, you know, I always had this dream. I wanted to be an executive in the corporate world. I wanted to start uh, working in the nonprofit sector. Um, And it's always been a dream of mine to have my own business, right? And Mm -hmm. so she was like, I'm like 
turning this phase, like, in and this phase out, and I'm about to pursue this whole new venture. And so, Marilyn, I think that's maybe good advice for you yeah. and where you're at right now because um, I can definitely relate to how you feel. Mm-hmm. Like, I also have a lot of interest and just generally have a passion for helping people mm-hmm. um, and treating them like they should be treated in every aspect, every institution, every interaction that I have, I just really believe that at the end of the day, we all are valuable and deserve Mm -hmm. to be treated as such. And so I think as you're like going through this transition phase, think about your life in compartments, right? Like Mm -hmm. now you are a business development associate. um, And so prior to that, you were in recruiting, right? Like was it just recruiting for Mm -hmm. an agency? Yeah, and I still do recruit sometimes, Mm -hmm. but that's the other thing is you're really on the side of it where it's, okay, this is what the role is. You're not even really looking at the job description. You need to know the location, maybe some soft, like it's not personal. And Mm -hmm. I know that it's hard to be that personal when you're on the agency side and your time is Mm -hmm. We need it now. Not we need that, it now. right. Yeah. And it's not that everyone's time isn't valuable. And that's what's also hard is like you wind up rushing people off the yeah. phone. You're not mm-hmm. able to have a long conversation. You know, you don't mm-hmm. get to know who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. And that is very hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to compartmentalize that. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm better at the BD side because I'm building relationships. But then at the same time, my boss also wants, you know, now. Like we need. People are handing out job orders, he said, because we're about to boom and businesses are handing them out. Well, they're handing them out to agencies that they already have relationships with. Um, And honestly, what I see happening is either our company is going to boom and significantly expand or they're going to go to the Ron Stodds, Robert Halfs, things Mm -hmm. of that nature that people already know the name of Mm -hmm. and they're going to continue to grow. So I think it's either going to make some businesses really blow up or it's going to make them lose out. That's really interesting too because I've I've been thinking about this a lot lately. It seems like sometimes when we're in the hustle and bustle of life, Mm -hmm. we forget about all the processes (laughs) that go with uh, hand-in-hand with success, um, with relationship building, with... I don't know, something as simple as like purchasing a car, right? You don't just <laughs> walk onto a lot and be like, okay, that's it. And yeah. that, like, I mean, some people do, right? Some people do. <laughs> <laughs> some people do, but a lot of people do their research, right? They're like, mm-hmm. they look at their budget, they do their research, mm-hmm. they're like online looking at different dealerships. Mm-hmm. They go, they feel out the salespeople. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they, in my experience, I've been rubbed the wrong way, yep. and that was like it for we me. We talked right? to a different representative yeah. immediately. <laughs> and so there's a process. There's a lot of trial and error. Um, you have to go back to the drawing board, and then like eventually, like it's established, or you yeah. make the sale, you make the purchase, or whatever. And so I think sometimes we have to be able to advocate for ourselves and say, mm-hmm. "Hey, look, I understand that we need X, Y, and Z now. However, there is a process associated with this mm-hmm. that." if we invest our time correctly and wisely, the return of investment will be greater. Yes. Um, and so I think... Well, um, I think that's directly applicable to mm-hmm. so many organizations, mm-hmm. especially coming out of the pandemic, are seeing that over 25% of employees are willing to leave their job. Mm-hmm. And how did you treat them during the pandemic? 
how are you working through that retention? What does your hiring process look like? Are you properly screening? Are your values aligning with their values? Are you actually trying to explore that? Yeah. Or do you just want them to do a job? Because if you want to just do a job, they're going to leave. Yeah. Are you paying the employees you currently have market value? Because when they're getting calls to go to another job, I find it frustrating that the biggest way that you get the compensation that is market value is being hired by another company. And sometimes you can go back and say, you know, this is what, but then immediately as soon as you bring that to their attention, that this is what people are offering, this is what's out there, they think you're already a foot out the door. So it's a fine balance of, I want to stay here, I want to work here, money is not my only motivation. However, I should, this is my value that I bring to this organization and I really hope that you guys are able to recognize it. In a and, way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think that's that's really important. I think sometimes um, when people who don't sit in HR positions or really are, uh, I don't know, are people-oriented, mm-hmm. <laughs> they sometimes um, have a hard time realizing that their employees are customers as well, yeah. right? <laughs> Every interaction that you make mm-hmm. is, is a transaction and it's a, it could be a potential opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be, I don't know, right. anything, right? Like yeah. you never When are you making deposits and when are you making withdrawals? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so people want to be treated well. Like it's a win-win. Like both parties should be mm-hmm. benefiting at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw an article about um, how young professionals don't want to grow within their organizations um, because, you know, they aren't being recognized for their efforts, right? And so it's kind of what the article is talking about, well, how do we keep our talent in our companies, mm-hmm. right? Like, we are investing in them in, in some regards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still leaving. And so I think it does come down to compensation. And I know we're like, oh, we're not, we're not motivated by money. But at the end of the day, if we think about the world right now, I, I pulled up something on Google, and it was like the average one-bedroom apartment in Atlanta has gone up to $1,500 a month. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so on a $50,000 salary, how is... Exactly. How are you scraping by? Let alone, and that's another issue that we're really running into a lot right now, is people would rather collect unemployment than go to work for $14, $15, $16 an hour jobs, which I understand, but also what happens when that runs out? Mm -hmm. What happens when that stops? Mm -hmm. These jobs are going to be full, and they're going to be full of people because employers want someone who wants to work. I made less working two jobs during COVID than I would have Mm -hmm. if I sat on my couch and ate some Doritos, Mm -hmm. which, trust me, on a lot of days I really wanted to do. But I worked. Mm -hmm. And... That's just part of who I am. And so I think how you do any job is how you do every job. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I had to look myself in the mirror and say, I wasn't a quitter. I didn't give up. I didn't take mm-hmm. it laying down. And I didn't just yeah. stay on my couch and collect unemployment. And I think mm-hmm. some people are going to have to answer to that. Mm-hmm. But it also has really shaken up in a lot of companies what are people's value.
So thinking about uh, what we're providing to our Show Atlanta Rising leaders this year in our three-part series PR um, for HR, uh, last session we talked a lot about advocating for self, Mm -hmm. but I think going into our next session, um, just personally, I'm interested in learning um, how to advocate for employees um, and showing that value in relation to compensation. Um, not just the total rewards and total compensation, but the big salary, mm. um, the immediate impact, right? Yeah. Or investment in um, return, well, investment back into the employee. Um, as employers, definitely need to open our eyes up to mm-hmm. what's going on in society, right? Look at the housing market. Mm-hmm. How many rising leaders and young professionals have student loan debt? All those when they break down, okay, your parents want to say, well, I worked minimum wage at a full-time job and did school mm-hmm. and paid for this and did this. Okay, well, your rent was 700 something. Now it's, it's 1500 for the <laughs> same apartment. Yeah. Your books, your tuition, it's increased by like, I don't want to throw out a random number, but like 200%. <laughs> Significantly, <yeah>. Significantly <laughs> it is increased. Right. And yet the minimum wage hasn't. Mm-hmm. But now we're even looking at, people who are willing to stay home and not work because they make more doing that than $15 an hour. $15 an hour is like 30 grand a year before tax. Yeah. How is that livable for an adult? It's not. it's not. But then people want to argue also, and I get it, but they want to argue that, okay, well, what's their experience? What's their value? They're not worth more than that. Just piggy piggybacking off of the uh, compensation tidbit that Marilyn just gave, I think it's important for HR professionals and rising leaders to realize the level of influence that they have within their organization, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, we are HR practitioners no matter where you sit in the business, right? But we're not only HR practitioners, right? I think we're also social scientists in a lot of different ways, right? And we have this very unique of you on the world and, and what's mm-hmm. happening, um, not only because we have to, but because those are where our interests are, right? right. Um, and so I think we need to um, learn to advocate for ourselves and advocate for the employees as well as the business, um, really put a strong emphasis on collecting the, the societal data and the facts that, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're not living in it, to your point, Marilyn, you're not living out of your car, so you don't really know what it feels like, or mm-hmm. you don't know how that uh, kind of um, experience, you know, ripples into other areas of your life, mm-hmm. right? You're not thinking about that every single day, you have two kids, they're going to soccer practice, yeah. and you know, you're just, you're in your own little world hustling and bustling, right? Well- I know you both were laid off um, during the pandemic, and so I know you had a lot of time to self-reflect and and think about who you are and what your identity is outside of your role. And so I'm curious to know uh, which other parts of you kind of like came to the surface um, as we talk about self-awareness. But then I also want to know if you all know your Myers Briggs personality, if you've taken the Clifton Strengths Finders, if you sat in on the Predictive Index. Mm-hmm. Um, I know our Rising Leaders group um, had the opportunity to sit with Susan Seymour um, and go over um, our work style behaviors. Mm-hmm. And so as Rising Leaders, I think knowing those key items will help us make informed decisions about 
where we should be when mm-hmm. it comes to co- company culture, mm-hmm. the type of roles we should be sitting in, right? Mm-hmm. Because for me, looking at the predictive index, I sit in that team quadrant team and something, I don't know, I can't remember what it's called right now. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I was, you know, I had an experience where I was butting heads with someone who was in that results category Mm -hmm. and I was taking it personally (laughs) I was I was like why do we keep butting heads like Mm -hmm. like I think I'm a nice person like I don't think she's a bad person or anything like that but we keep clicking we're not (laughs) clicking like we keep having these issues we're just speaking past each other and yeah Yeah. we're missing each other there's gaps and I'm like it wasn't until I took the predictive assessment and I realized that we were were just in those separate quadrants and had different work behaviors that Mm -hmm. I was able to think about the relationship more objectively yeah yeah and so going back to my original question is during that period um when you were kind of figuring out who you are right because we're we're young right Mm -hmm. life's a journey (laughs) (laughs) we are constantly yeah we're constantly learning more about ourselves um in every interaction every opportunity that we we put ourselves in and so what else did you learn about Nyla in Maryland during that period Well, I actually learned that I'm a lot more of a creative worker than I ever thought I was. I thought I was maybe more organized and structured, and I'm very much so... I always thought being creative or, like, artsy was doodling or being that type of... I can create graphics Mm -hmm. or I can... But I had to really realize that... A, I have a very creative side. What honestly brings me joy is singing, and I mm. started singing in front of people, and I sang in public last so weekend. Yeah. 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 I mean, I put Nyla on the spot in uh, our first and episode. Was your turn. <laughs> oh, I did not know you did that. Uh, <laughs> I <have a> cough. <laughs> Hey, I can very entry level beatbox, but no, that is not what I'm talking about. Um, But I had always strayed away from it because my biological mom was in a band and she would do shows and she has a personality disorder and she abandoned my brother and I. And so I just did everything I could not to be like her. Um, And so I strayed away from it for so long. And then honestly, I realized like those were the moments where I felt the most me, but it's also when I feel the most vulnerable. So I never Mm -hmm. shared it with anyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now I sing in front of my boyfriend all the time and he'll always turn down the music so he can hear me. And I'm like, no, turn it back (laughs) up. I don't want to hear myself. And he's like, but you're better than you think you are. And I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to go stick my well, head Well, that's his job to love it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> he should love everything that he But, yeah, I sang in front of people for the first time, like, last weekend. So that happened. Um, so I realized I'm a lot more artsy than I thought um, and that I actually really stray away from anything structured as soon mm-hmm. as you try to put me in a box or give me structure mm-hmm. of, like, you need to report this, you need to put this on your – like – I just am like, nope, not, ha- nope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I need to get to better at that. an entrepreneurial spirit? I, I can see that. I do. Uh, but yes, I do very much so have an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and so I feel that I'm not equipped, though, enough right now to go out and do something on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was a really insane, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
but I am very good at casting a vision and thinking big picture, and I need people to help me kind of put those pieces together to get there. And um, that's honestly what I also figured out from the personality test that we did with Susan Mm -hmm. was that I'm a persuader and that Mm -hmm. I can – have these big ideas and then sometimes the way that my mind works is it goes oh well then this will happen this will happen then I can connect this and I can do this and then it becomes so overwhelming for me that Mm -hmm. I just completely shut myself down Mm -hmm. and stop doing it and I need Mm -hmm. to figure out a way to like you said at the beginning of the episode look at it in phases Mm -hmm. compartmentalize this then you know and I'm very much so not good at that. It's like an all or nothing thing. Yeah. And so I'm really working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe your business partner is a planner. Yeah, I need that. <laughs> I, Balance it out. Yeah. I need that for sure. Uh, anyone interested? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> you ground me very well. So, like, you want to get out of here? Um, but, yeah, I definitely need that. Um And that's something I realized and just tapping into. I also really want to, once I make enough money to incorporate other things I want to do in my life, I want to take drumming lessons. My dad's a drummer. I learned that about myself. I actually learned that I do, in fact, like to read. And mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy reading. I reading? had yeah. never Same. read a I've book. I've been reading as much lately. Me either. Realized. And I've realized yeah. it's because I can't shut my mind off because yeah. I feel so drained and exhausted because Thank I'm you. not Thank feeling you. purpose-driven mm-hmm. with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so then by the end of the day, I don't want to do anything that winds up feeding myself. I literally just don't, I don't want to start a new show. I don't want to read a book. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to work out. I literally want to not have anyone talk to me. And that's not Marilyn and that's not okay. So I'm like, something has to change. I really like silence, but it wasn't until I was put in an environment where that, option wasn't available to me mm-hmm. um during my americorps year i lived with seven people in a rectory i worked in a, a rectory school yes oh fun fact mm. um i worked at a yeah. charter school and so i was constantly around people and i was so Exhausted. so so freaking tired and i was like Why? oh it can be draining yeah. and then it, it wasn't until like i had the moments where like it would be like it was completely silent then mm. i was like Jasmine, you really like silence. <laughs> I like it you in... You have a different appreciation You for have it. a different appreciation right. for I it, right? like it in the sense that I'll literally tell them, like, sometimes I'm like, I don't want to be on. Like, I don't want to have to engage in a conversation mm-hmm. because when I engage in a conversation, you have all of me. Exactly. And so that's what I mean by I need silence. So that's why I've lived alone ever since I graduated college. You know, I lived in a sorority house with 13 other girls. I'm good. I don't need to go back to living with anyone else. And I'm always very good at trying to have that comic relief with people to really kind of take the edge off of this is actually a lot more serious than I'm putting on. Which is something else I learned with Susan about my personality is that when I ask someone to do something, it is because I absolutely need it because I won't ask someone. And so when it comes to that point, 
and you don't do it, I'm like, I don't ask you for anything and I needed this. Mm -hmm. And so there's, you know, I feel like I then can't trust you or that you're not invested in me because I really don't ask people for things. Yeah. And so Nyla, um, if my memory serves me well, you also fell into that teamwork collaborator uh, quadrant. Yes. And so I'm curious to know how you felt about the predictive index and if you during your layoff period learned anything else about yourself um so I definitely thought our conversation or my conversation with Susan was spot on because (laughs) (laughs) I think it was when we were discussing like the was the team quadrant we said yeah I don't know I for the life of me it's hard for me to make a direct decision without input of others I don't know what it is I'm always just grabbing information like hey what do you think about this and what do you think about this mm-hmm. just a side note i remember i walked into at home to buy a jewelry stand and i called like three people i was like which one do you think i should get mm-hmm. and they were just like nyla please decide mm-hmm. just choose i usually gather information oh so you needed I... me to tell you to go to the gym tonight yeah you, probably. You need someone... <laughs> no honestly yeah if I, I would ask you if, like should i go to the gym tonight what do you think but I already asked three other people before. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> Nyla, <laughs> what else did you learn about yourself um, during your layoff period? Uh, what did I learn? What did I learn? Kind of similar to you, Marilyn. I learned that I'm pretty creative as well. Um, I told myself, I was like, oh, I'm going to start a YouTube channel because I like to talk all day. Blah, blah, blah. I didn't really go anywhere, but I did it. Good <laughs> for you. <laughs> that and just learn that I'm really like a lifelong learner honestly Mm. I'm always like I always have a desire to learn something new or try something new so got my Mm -hmm. PHR actually right after I got laid off (laughs) right after I got laid off and I was just like okay I'm studying for that for six months what's next what am I gonna do next Going back to just our original topic of identity, though, it's realizing, and I definitely learned this over COVID with working the two jobs, obviously Mm -hmm. being a server and an assistant store manager were not the title that I would associate with who I am, but I Mm -hmm. still showed up as Marilyn every day and was a hard worker and did the Mm -hmm. best that I could for that job. And Mm -hmm. so I think I need to just also remember that. I shouldn't look at it like, oh, I won't let myself fail, but mm-hmm. that I might have a fallback or a mm-hmm. step, but it's a learning and it's not yeah. a complete failure. It's exactly. a step back, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Not a failure. Mm-hmm. Right. And exactly. so, you know, just my identity has always been a hard worker and vision and apparently being creative, which is still weird to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, just tying that into whatever I do, I'm still going to be Marilyn. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to change even if my title does and even if the company does. The Hey Rising Leader podcast was brought to you by the Sherman Atlanta Rising Leaders. Sherman Atlanta is the premier professional community for those in human resources and people management. The Rising Leaders group represents Atlanta's HR professionals under the age of 35 and provides members with professional development opportunities in a common forum to share ideas and experiences. If you would like to join our community, please visit the Sherman Atlanta website or follow us on our social platforms at Rising Leaders ATL on IG or Sherman Atlanta Rising Leaders on LinkedIn.